Do not adjust your 11-inch infotainment screens. It is the recap podcast for Season 9, Episode 2 of The Amazing Race Canada. Yes, everybody, my name is Jessica Lease, and I'm here to answer the question of who knows your partner best? The, per- the partner that I know best for all purposes of recording Amazing Race Canada is Mr. Dan Heaton. Dan, how are you doing? I'm okay. You know, um, I am still amazed by that phone. Samsung phones, Jess. I mean, can you believe it? You can write on them like they're paper. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Um, so, you know, some people don't love Amazing Race Canada. I'm not talking about me. I love the Amazing Race Canada. But if someone didn't like the episode, the way Amazing Race Canada is, I'm not sure I would give them this episode to refute their thoughts because I don't know, Jess, <laughs> this, this might be one for the record books. I have to say, as far as reference, this might be, I don't know if it's Sudbury or Trampoline Park, but my goodness, Jess. <laughs> you know, I would say this might be the platonic ideal of Amazing Race Canada episodes for all that entails. <laughs> like if somebody really wanted to know what it was about, in like an agnostic, morally neutral, judgment-free area, this would be a good episode to show them exactly what it is about because we're going to a tiny town that nobody has heard of. We are referring constantly to the Chevrolet Silverado ZR2. We are product placementing out the wazoo and we are doing activities that the local chamber of commerce looked at and thought this might be a little bit too janky for pioneer days. And there you have it. Amazing race Canada, ladies and gentlemen, but you know what? All those things I just said are some of the reasons I also love it. There was a moment where they were all riding in horsebound carriages where I thought this is a real race. This is like really tight. You know, they're just all sitting there like, Oh, the mountains are nice. Oh, this is great. It's like, this is the amazing race. It's supposed to be really. And this episode, I mean, part of it was one team. Oh boy. One team was two teams are struggling, but one team. Whew, yeah. Not so good. And that, that eliminated the drama a little bit. And there were some really funny moments. There are a couple, whew, some good ones we'll get to, but um, yeah, it was not really intense. This was more, isn't Canada great? Gee whiz, isn't it fun? That's kind of how I feel about this. One. Yeah, and you know what? That's one of the reasons I keep coming back to Amazing Race Canada. You know, I don't, I don't recap Amazing Race Canada for the prestige and big bucks, Dan. I do it for two reasons. I do it so I can hang out with you, and I do it because I love Canada. And I think Smithers, BC, I don't think I could plan a whole ass vacation there, but it was pretty. It was a cute town and it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. And I don't mean to be too hard because like I said, I enjoyed the episode. I do like a lot of these teams and you know, there's fun moments. And like you said, you have this backdrop where Eddie says he wants to jump off a mountain and the edit can just cut to the mountain right over there. (laughs) And, you know, very, very clever editing, you know, nice work, but, um, you know, just a real mountain that looks amazing. And that you can't have that everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done like, I, I think we've been doing kind of like, this is sort of a British Columbia is a traditional stop now on the all Canada amazing race course. And there are so many little towns up and down British Columbia that they can visit that have kind of their own unique things. And I really appreciate 
Like this tiny ass town really did its best. And we're going to get into this later because there's a really cool Reddit post on this subject. But they really did their best to showcase some of the things that made their town in particular unique. So it wasn't a pure trampoline park scenario, which, P.S., I went to a trampoline park last weekend, Dan. And it, oh, well, my, it, was, ahead, it yeah. was fun as hell, but it looked exactly <laughs> like the one in Saskatoon. <laughs> oh, poor Brian. Poor Brian. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing is I am sure that what they showed, it sounds like from what you're saying, which I'm interested in because I haven't seen the Reddit post, um, that they connected directly with, with the area. But if you didn't think of that and just knew about it, it might not be as obvious. I mean, I know John, you know, presents things and got to have a lot of fun as a game show host, but, you know, they're, they still packed in a lot of things. It was one of those things where it was like, okay, you know, again, a lot of tasks, especially front-loaded. The episode was very front-loaded with tasks, like, really quickly. I was like, okay, we're just, we're not messing around. We're getting on a plane. We're out of Calgary. Let's go. It's like, they didn't even make them do anything. They just, you know, they have the sign up board where it's like, wherever you started last time, which really this was kind of like, in a weird way, kind of like they do Amazing Race US now, where basically what they were doing is they said the front four teams, you get a 15 minute lead over the back five teams, but they did have to go to the airport, but nobody messed that up. Yeah. And you know, honestly, this is okay. I've heard the rumor that we're back to flying commercial on Amazing Race US, but I will believe that when I see it. Um, in this case, yeah, 15 minutes. It's great to use the charter flights because you can impose that 15 minutes and you're not in the position of like twenty season 24 of the US version where it was like the first five teams get a four and a half hour start over the last five. And then it just becomes a race of purely like who in that last five is going to get eliminated. So. This is okay, and we did see a lot of mixing up in the order, which, you know, it's never the racing on Amazing Race Canada that we have issues with, because it really does seem like it is competitive, and people are there, they're down for whatever. You rarely see someone, like, completely lose their entire sense of composure. Like, obviously, you will meet your white whale tasks, but people are, people are having a good time, and they're racing, they're competitive, and it's watchable no matter what the task is. So yeah, let's chug a guru and get right into it. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to go fish at the frontier experience lodge. And we've got to grab these fake fish out of the water. (laughs) Dan, what, what do you make of this one? This one, this one had real chamber of commerce vibes to me. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I found most interesting about this, really, is that we saw the first example of the assist, mm-hmm. because we did find out more. That's to me, I mean, not to jump over the task, teams seem to be enjoying it. Um, you know, they got to put on their waiters, it's fun to put on different outfits and everything. But in general, it had to do with, okay, I think there's going to be one task every leg, perhaps, probably a root info task like this one, where this one, like we talked about last week, they could have done it where they only had to identify five instead of 10. I think Eddie and Allie should have used it because they need all the help they can give. They didn't know at the time he was going to have to sell that car and all that. So you never know. But in general, I think I like it though. I don't know. What do you think about the assist? It's kind of like this, where it's not a skip. It's a, here's about half of it, or here's like an assist in a way. Yeah. I mean, if you are truly terrible at something, it's not going to, it's not going to leap you up to the front of the pack. But 
It's interesting, Dan, because I think this just points to how very different Amazing Race Canada is from Amazing Race US. The fact that this could be deployed by production in any of the tasks of the episode, it just kind of, we're dialing back the importance gradually every season. It gets a little bit less and less important that we have detours and roadblocks. It's just like you get somewhere and it's task, 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 task. There might be a detour, there might be a roadblock, but maybe there isn't. Maybe eventually, like Amazing Race Canada evolves into something where it's just task, 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 task. Yeah, we're not that far because you have some likes in the past where they've had face-offs and other things where they didn't do or detour a roadblock. Here, I mean, well, if you count the radio as a task, which I don't <laughs> know, that might be pushing it. They did three before the roadblock, and then they did roadblock detour. And I think in the premiere it was similar. So they're not even, it used to be they do one extra task. Now they're doing, let's say two, the radio one, two extra things. Because they did the who's your partner, or not who's your partner, everyone knows who their partner is, <laughs> okay. but you know the question about the partner, but basically they had to do several things before they did it. And while the roadblock was probably the most important, the other things did matter. I don't know about the fish. I don't, it mattered a little bit. Teams did leave and exit at different times, but that also might have to do with driving and getting lost, as we saw. But it, it had some impact. It wasn't totally just, I don't know what to say about go fish, really. I mean, they looked and they found a fish and they, there was great scenery. Yeah, I don't think there's much we can say about this. I have some questions about the radio, quote unquote, task, because I'm really curious about the behind the scenes of it. Like as someone who spent a fair amount of my life in college and high school doing radio, I have to wonder, like, was this person, was this DJ just getting on every five minutes and giving the clue? Or was it more like, did they have a production person standing in the studio and like getting radioed every time somebody opened a clue to give the signal on the radio? I am very curious as to what kind of direction that person had to have and how many times they had to repeat that signal. Well, right. Were they playing songs? And then at the end of every song they did it? Probably not, because then the show's got to be like, oh, we got to cut all this audio. Was it like an interview or was she just like, was part of the bit on the radio? Hey, I'm giving out clues to the Amazing Race Canada. So I'm just going to tell you listeners about this, right? Oh, wait, now I got to say it again or something. <laughs> but I guess the way she talked was like, I have a special message for anyone from out of town. So it seemed like they were trying to be kind of man of mystery or whatever set up here, but with the radio. But I don't know. I was wondering that too. Like, and this frequency seems to be for a regular station. It wasn't like, you know, W Amazing Race or something stupid yeah. like that that wasn't real. I couldn't think of call letters there. But, you know, <laughs> WTAR or whatever, you know. So it seems like a real station. But, yeah, I guess they must have blocked some time or something. And maybe she just kind of vamped and then every so many minutes or like you said, I doubt they would do it where every team she was like, okay, team number eight, do it again. Maybe it was just, she just kept saying it over and over like a test of the emergency broadcast system. Yeah, I don't like know. The lost numbers. <laughs> Something like yeah, that. I mean, it's community radio, which by the way, we need more community radio. I guess podcasts have kind of filled the niche that was, you know, public access radio. Um, but I love the idea. You know, if I could, find a place that would let me go on the air and host a radio show for an hour. 
once a week, I'd be totally down with it. So I, I love this idea. I am very curious about like, maybe it was just like, you know, these races are run pretty quickly. It was probably just like a 40 minute block where every five minutes she just read the thing. And I, I guess we will probably never know for sure unless somebody in the area knows the people or found something online. Let us know if you hear that just because I get curious about dumb things like that. Yeah. And if any racers want to just anonymously let us know how it worked, you know, because Eddie and Allie got lost. So I could see the show thinking everybody's going to be like 15 minutes apart. And then you have this one team that's like 25 minutes or how, it could have been. I don't know. I'm probably overestimating. But and then the, the DJ is like, really, everybody? Really? I, I got music to play. I got, you know, I got to talk about our underwriters, you know, and everything. And Eddie and Allie just, um, I hope they got that message because that that probably might have thrown it off. And I don't mean to pick on them. You know, they tried real so it was just a tough day. I would imagine that in the event of a team like Eddie and Allie going really far out of their way, they probably did have the radio DJ able to make a real time correction. Like Eddie and Allie are an hour behind. They're still listening to the signal every five minutes. <laughs> radio DJ can get on and be like, yeah, um, Eddie and Allie, you're going the wrong way. Of course, it didn't help them because then they went to the museum and couldn't find the clue forever. Yeah, that was but, um, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was like shades of um, Amazing Race 9 with the team walking right past the clue box. Yeah, and then they're into the museum and the guy's like, do you want to use the washroom? And they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. But it's in the camera's like, I'm just going to sit here and look out the window at the clue and watch them run around. And, and there was no gong, though, or no really silly music. So I guess... Amazing Race Canada is not as mean to their contestants, I guess. No, Amazing Race Canada has decided that the gong of stupidity is just a little bit too American. But I don't want to jump over something, though, because another thing happened at the Go Fish. Very eventful pass, actually. Yeah. Whereas Ty and Cat did what we talked about and gave one of their express passes away right away. Yep. Good job. And actually, I think they made a pretty good choice because I mean, of course, the team they gave it to finished second, so you know, whatever. But overall, I don't hate their choice. I, and also, there were sentimental reasons. But, you know, the question is, will they get rid of the second one quickly? But I, I think I'm liking the way they're approaching, don't you think? Yeah, they're getting enough. They're spending enough time with people that they're really getting a feel for, we didn't give it to the wrong person. But it's also, it's also not a situation where you can where they are going to be accused of like making any kind of judgment call on the perceived racing ability of their opponents. Because, you know, sometimes it like nothing makes me more annoyed than when like the team that gets the express passes is like a big, strong dude team. And they're like, we will go and give it to the small slender girls because girls are bad at racing. And we figure they could use the assist. Like, don't be patronizing on this, you know, give it away to, a team that you genuinely like that you'd like to see go further in the race and don't necessarily tag it to you think they need help. Right. This was not this. I mean, even, um, you know, Ty mentioned that his dad is an mm -hmm. AT and had a similar, so they, they cut back to that and I had forgotten that from the yeah. first leg, but, um, that right there, I mean, there was, I, I think it was partially strategic, but I think a lot of it is just like, these seem like cool people. We have a connection to them. 
why it's early in the race. We are not worried that we're going to, we're in first. We're not worried that we're going to finish last. And we got like four legs left or, or four tasks left. We have plenty of time to catch up even if something happens. So it's a smart move. Yeah, I think it's a perfectly smart move. And I love the genuine connection that they feel to Tyler. So I, and I think, I think it's good. I, I like that. Um, you know, speaking of Tyler and Kayleen, I wanted to, we got a question on Twitter about this and I wanted to highlight this, like since we're at this part in the show, um, we noticed that they have hand controls that they've installed into the vehicle to make it adaptive. And we did get a question about that um, over on the Twitter and I'm going to find the question now. Um, we typically have a document, um, but I am. Oh, I never. Oh. Okay. And Dan, I, you and I have had the week from hell. I, I have the document, actually. You, have, can, you, you yes, still made the you. document. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, lo- I just never shared it. Well, I, f- I found the <laughs> comment anyway, so we don't need it right away. But go ahead and get that okay. up for when we need it. I, I did. I shared it for you. With okay, you. okay, thanks. Um, so AM, longtime listener AM. Hey, glad to see you're back uh, for the season. But um AM wants to know, what are your thoughts about the accommodations the show could make for racers with disabilities? I think things like having the hand gears in the vehicle are fair. It's not an advantage, just equitable, in my opinion. Um, and to clarify, I mean, the hand gears, an example, are already in the vehicle before the racers get there. The, one, the onus should not be on them to use time to make the vehicle accessible. And Dan, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. They didn't really sit on this beat. Uh, they just showed it happening, and I thought it was a really great way to showcase, um, you know, the adaptations that Tyler and Kayleen have made, like very, you know, thinking ahead as to what's going to help them. But do you think the show could have been more proactive about it? You know, I don't know, because I'm sure they likely talked about this with the producers up front. And I think there's kind of two sides to it, because in one sense, it's like, should the show make accommodations given challenges he has? But also, it's one of those cases where they probably are thinking, you know, that they want to keep it equitable in some way, which I don't know. I don't I mean, I wouldn't go too strongly and say they can never help the players. I wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying that, you know, is this might be a case where the show hadn't really thought that much about it. And then Tyler and Kayleen came and said, this is something we really need. His legs really, you know, they need a break and everything. Is this OK if we do this? And the show was probably like, producers were like, um, sure, you can do it. But I don't know. I guess they decided that it might be a bridge too far. And also, too, when you have the speed of the race, you have all these different vehicles. Like, are they going to know for sure? I guess they could put something on it that says the name of the team. But I think they like to keep it like, you show up, you grab whatever car you want, all that. And sometimes this is a little different because the teams are all very close together. Maybe it's not always the case. I wonder if they had some thoughts there. I mean, it's hard to know for sure. I um. I appreciate that they're allowed to use that and it's, it's part of it. I don't know, you know, with like competition shows like this, how far they can go with like setting things up for any certain team. Yeah. I mean, I think giving them the option to do it, like obviously it would be terrible if they said, no, you can't use the hand controls, but they also, it would be equally awful if we saw that them taking the time to install those controls ended up being the reason they got eliminated at some point that would be equally terrible but at the point where it's not affecting their race placement and um they are able to hang in and it's not an extra 
it's not a terribly extra thing. I think giving them the option to do that and having them, they've clearly figured it out on their own, how they're going to adapt to these situations. I don't think that's terribly different from like, say our old, our old favorites, Julie and Lowell thinking ahead of time about how they're going to compensate for his disability when it comes to tasks where you need to be able to see. And I think right. and I, like same thing, right. like um, Luke and Margie, you know, there was a task where, you know, there's a detour task where one of them is be a DJ and one of them is pour a drink is he's already kind of like the race is not making it impossible for him to do the task. It's kind of putting him in a corner, but like they were able to kind of adapt to the situation and think about, you know, how do they make it work for them? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I'm sure the show had to think in terms sometimes. I mean, if they can't, I mean, he was repelling down very well. So maybe there aren't as many things he couldn't do. But I didn't even consider, too, with like, you know, his, how much, like, he's talked about it, how much pain goes on their, his legs mm-hmm. just while running. That's something that I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with amputees with their legs, but I wouldn't, I would just think, oh, you have these artificial legs. But, the running, I mean, it's got to take a toll on him. It really gives me a lot of. I don't remember this coming up that often with the teams in season with the team in season one. That um, it's really something that when they do well, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's that's no joke. That's hard. Mm-hmm. It is. It is hard. I think there's something to be said for showing like how hard it is in a way that's like that's not you know inspiring us to feel sorry for him, but you know, in a way that inspires awe which I think they do very well. And I think they have done so far. Like I can't imagine what that must be like for him, but I get a little bit better idea having seen this and like the show is raising awareness. Yeah, they did a good job. There was no like piano or violin. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Which you could do, but like he's just drilled down to earth and he, and I don't get the impression he's saying this because he feels like, Oh, it's not fair. He's just kind of being honest, like, like, you know, when you do anything like, like, man, I I can't, I can't run like that, or I can't do this, like reminding himself and, and, you know, and Kayleen so far, I mean, she's awesome, like, you know, really supportive. And I mean, obviously she's been with him since, um, I'd only been with her for a few months. So most of their relationship with his legs like this, but, um, yeah, they're going to be really interesting to watch because while obviously they're a team with a story that's sentimental and moving, um, so far, I feel like, you know, they're, they're real down to earth about it. And I like the way the show has approached it, possibly because of the way they're approaching it. Similar, actually, to how it was with Julian Lowell, too. Who, I mean, I don't know if they can equal their one-liners and silliness that they had, but just um, the way they approached kind of the challenges. Yeah, you know, we don't have a team that has equaled Julian Lowell for one-liners yet. I mean, <laughs> no. still early, we could get that. But yeah, I am rooting. I'm rooting hard for Tyler and Kayleen, and not just because they're one of my top draft picks. <laughs> very, very true. It was, it was a good call. I did want to mention on a different note, Derp Hall trying mm. to get the express pass or trying to be like normal and friendly. <laughs> and I know the show really enjoys kind of poking fun at Derp Hall, I have to say. But that was a fun moment when Ty and Cat are like, not even paying attention. They were trying to be like friendly. And finally they're like, like when you go to a party and you try to talk to someone and they're not really wanting to talk to you and you're like, 
I'm going to go in the other room and get a drink or something. That's how Durf Hall seemed to feel by the way that went. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, they are tryhards in a number of ways. Yes. <laughs> oh, they can't wait to talk about something later. But all right. So should we move on to who's your partner? Yes, let's move on to who's your partner. Though This is kind of unusual just for the fact that we are seeing a host take on a hosting role in the middle of the show he hosts. <laughs> it's like meta hosting. And it is called Who's Your Partner? I, I joked about it earlier. That is the name. You know, if you can't answer the question, who's your partner, you got bigger problems than Amazing Race Canada. I don't know. Devin and Amanda, they're, <laughs> they got to think about some things. Um, so this reminded me a little bit with the way it started. Like they even had the board set up almost like Family Feud, though it, I don't like Family Feud, but reminded me of those Japanese game shows that they did on Amazing Race US that they just love to do with this. Um, ended up being more like, like the newlywed game kind mm -hmm. of or something. But here's the thing. The thing I don't love about it with having John there is you turn it into a single file line where these teams all show up and they're all just standing in line waiting. And I was, I know that you have to do it that way because you, I guess they're going to ask different questions to every team. They don't want to be the same, but I don't love the task where all the teams line up. And then if one team misses, they go to the back, which did happen. But I don't know, it doesn't seem to, I don't know, it, it was mostly just an ad for the phone, but it did have some fun questions that we can definitely get into. Yeah, there's definitely some great questions here, Dan, but I agree, you know, they're, they should just have so many questions that they're able to let everybody go at once. I would love it if like everybody is there and it's like, you're all competing at the same time and getting asked the same question because that's how they do it on the actual newlywed game. You know, all of the teams answer the questions at the same time. And if you get if you get a certain number of them correct, like you can just have a little ticker and shows like how many you've got correct. And then once you get a certain number correct, you're done with the task. And a team could get stuck there for a long time while other teams pass them. That creates drama. But uh, yeah, any t any task whatsoever where you have to go to the back of the line is stupid and this was extra stupid because there was no actual need for that to be the case like this was not bungee jumping you could get it together yeah this wasn't riding in a race car or something yeah. or like they would do which those also i don't love but they could have at least done three teams so then you still have a benefit to being like further ahead okay you three go or even you two you know go but um you know not great and then they had some where it's like who's the weakest team and of course everyone's just going to go Who's in last right now? Okay, let's pick the team that's Eddie and Allie. But I have to point out, Josh Creek brought this up. And you know, it's funny. This question came up for Devin and Amanda. You know, mm. this isn't, they didn't get the easiest questions, I have to say. They asked what celebrity couple you think you're like. And they listed Jay-Z and Beyonce, though Inga Phillips Jay did bring up her spelling of Beyonce was a little interesting, yeah. Beyonce. But you know, it was thicker thinking about it. But then... The other or one of them picked that. The other one picks Jordan and Tori. And my first thought is, okay, there's got to be a more famous Jordan and Tori than the couple that was on the challenge, yeah. who I've been watching a lot of, that that got engaged on the show, and that I haven't gotten to it yet, but I think broke up, and in some weird fashion and everything. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be like some pop star named Jordan or Tori. I Google it. Nope, that's the team. That's who it is. There's no other Jordan and Tory that I'm aware of. And of course, Josh Creek brought up that not only did he pick someone from the challenge, but he picked someone 
that had broken up already. And then Devin and Amanda are already having some challenges going, I don't know what this means for our relationship. It means nothing. This means, <laughs> this means absolutely nothing. But to pick, to pick that couple, it's like, well, I guess they really love the challenge. I don't know. It's, it's weird, Jess. Yeah. Is anybody that's ever been on the challenge, technically speaking, are those people celebrities? Maybe Johnny Bananas. <laughs> I don't know. Are the Miz, the wrestler guy who was on The Real World? But there's probably, there's a few people that went on to acting careers who were in like season eight or something, something really early. But is Johnny Bananas a celebrity? I don't know. That You're really pushing it here. I don't know. Yeah, this is a... I mean, this is a question for the for the public. Like, get at us on social media <laughs> and settle the question: Is Johnny Bananas a celebrity? And this is so. I'm someone who's watched like 28 seasons of the Challenge in the last like last like year <laughs> or year and a half because of Paramount Plus. I'm just going through. I'm almost caught up. So I I know this. I know Jordan and Tori very probably better than I should because they're <laughs> on so many seasons. But not to veer off too much. But would you consider Jordan and Tori a celebrity couple? I mean, are they like Robin Amber? I mean, probably less so, though, right? Oh, far less so. I had no idea who Jordan and Tori were. <laughs> like, I've never seen a minute of the challenge, although this this glowing endorsement makes it all but certain that I'm eventually going to have it on the background while I'm working. But yeah, I don't think I don't think Jordan and Tori are celebrities. Well, there are two amazing racers on this summer's Challenge USA season two: Dusty and Louie. From recent Amazing Race US. I mean, I'm not mad so at it. Some... I love those guys. Can't wait to <laughs> so, hear about it. I, I assume I will watch it eventually. Not to veer too much off topic here, but that was a good one. A lot of the ones were, who do you think are the strongest teams? Ty and Cat, Dirt Paul, people listed because they were near the top. I don't know. Was there any other questions that stood out? Because they did kind of run through it really fast near the end. I mean, I love it when they ask these questions that make people throw shade on each other. and. Only because they are Canadian, and so they will they will twist themselves into pretzels, trying not to actually throw shade. So I think that's always fun. Like the way they figure out how to make an answer into a non-answer is always a good thing on a challenge like this. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, part of me is like, oh, it would have been fun to know the other questions. And then part of me is like, did we need more time? Because then they had the stretch for five teams, just like. Yay, we got it. Yay, we got it. And then you just have Devin and Amanda like, yeah, we, 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 we really, re they're, they're such nice people that I think at the time they were just feeling really stressed out about the race. I don't really think that they probably think this is due with the relationship, but I do think that the celebrity couple one is much harder than some of the other ones we saw. Yeah, this is honestly, it, once you get a couple wrong, and I think this is true of like anything where you're being asked questions and you start getting them wrong, I think it is possible that you get up in your head about it. And then at that point, it's like you don't think strategically, you're just trying to get through it. I think that's kind of what happened in this case. Yeah, I mean, Durf Hall got who's the funniest. It's like, of course, they're going to say Derek. That's the big, the bigger name on the YouTube channel. Of course, he's the <laughs> alpha. Of course, that's what they're going to pick. You know, it's like, so, oh, and I have to point out Durval getting favorite musician <laughs> and then they, One Direction or Justin Bieber. Yeah. Oh, tough decision. Yeah, these guys are like, um, they're like this YouTube channel that my son watches where they, it's like two, two men in their late 20s talking about living with their parents and drinking milk at dinner time. And no, they're not Canadian. 
It's like the whole like man child vibe. Like, of oh, course boy, you yeah. listen to One Direction. That's such a man child <laughs> band. Both of them, though, they said that. And I was like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah, OK, yeah, I, I can see it. Um, so, yeah, those are the only other ones I noted down because also Dirt Hall got there early. So they got several. They got three questions in a row because I think they were the first ones there. They got who's who's the strongest. And so a lot of the other teams, we didn't get to see what they did. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. I think we saw exactly as much of this as we needed to see. Maybe even a little bit too much, but I understand Samsung's paying the bills and we need to see it. Um, but, you know, speaking of paying the bills, let's move on to the roadblock. Who likes that new car smell? Well, I can tell you who doesn't after this one. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So, Dan, this was like, this is like product placement on steroids. Oh boy, this is um, this is not kick the back of the Ford. This is not the backup camera <laughs> or the fail comes on the video. There's so many examples. Oh my gosh, this was like a good ten to fifteen minute advertisement for the 2024 Chevy Tracker ZRS. If I'm reading my notes right with my bad handwriting, I hope I didn't just get eliminated by doing this. But I mean. Wow, that's the thing, because we had the phone. Okay, we already heard about the car earlier when they got in the car at the beginning, a different car. So they get to this one, and it's like, we're going to the car dealership. And actually, this one for a product placement test, this is pretty hard. If you don't have certain, like, if you're not somebody who's good at memorization, second week in a row, the most important task of the week was memorization, if you went to that detour the last time. But I don't know. What did you think of this? Did you find this to be an entertaining task? Um, I loved the drag race approach to this to put a physical action score to your script to help you remember the lines. Like that's classic acting. I loved that. Um, I did think this was a clever way to make people talk up a product placement because how many times, Dan, have we seen them? have to say nice things in their own heads on the spot about something that we are very clear is not that great like let's go chug a delicious guru energy drink <laughs> like they're not putting the onus on them like they just have to read the script this is like this is like having to vamp an ad versus reading ads off the script this is like yeah, memorize it. The, the special features and all the good adjectives come straight from the from the client. You don't have to do anything yourself. I think this is much better. And I think it goes down a little easier because it's clear that they are towing the company line here and they're not like trying. They're not being forced to organically pretend they love something. Yeah, I mean, Craig last year loves Marshalls so <laughs> much. So when they had to go to that downtown Marshalls and pick out the outfits and everybody's like, this is where we shop all the time. And like, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's true. But yeah, so that's true. I mean, I will say this caused me to look up IntelliBeam online and pull the definition into our questions document. So it worked for me too, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to buy this car, but um, I will say before that, we will get to that. But um, several people, Tyler, wow, that guy, he's on fire. And last week, the memorization was done by cat so that team yes that team has the skills for the amazing race canada gracie embarrassed by her theater kid background helpful here did very well 
Um, and actually, most people, you referenced Drain did so well. Even Joel references acting, even though they still work for the rack. But most people did pretty good, except for the last two teams, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, I think it's no big deal unless it is. Um, I was I was amused by Starlink being a thing because Starlink is also the brand that does the Wi-Fi on board the ships for the company I work for. Um, and we just upgraded to it. Um, I was recently on a ship. It was not that great. So I hope this is a different Starlink. But yeah, let's let's talk about IntelliBeam while we're here, because I love this <laughs> I question you... we got. Oh, man, I love this from Ver- Veronique Tre- Trevenier, Facebook. What the hell is IntelliBeam? Do you really need it on a car? I'm mostly kidding. We heard about it so much, and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to know what it was. Before I give, get into what it is, I also had to bring something up that Tara on Facebook brought up. One of the teams said IntelliBeam instead of IntelliBeam and still passed. And then Rick brought up that Eddie actually, when he said IntelliBeam, it sounded like they had spliced it in, which I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories here, Jess, but... um. If they were far enough back, you never know. They might have just, it's like when, when like Mark and Bopper <laughs> were dancing and they were just like, okay, you just go, Mark. Yeah, you, we, we can't, we can't die out here, you know, but, um, so I don't know. Do you want me to continue with IntelliBeam or would you like to explain what it is? I think GM I would like to hear you explain what IntelliBeam is. Um, but I will say that on the whole, Amazing Race Canada straight up sucks at hiding their Frankenbites. Like I can always hear the splices. And I don't know if that's just because I've watched, you know, 10,000 hours of reality television in my lifetime or if they're just particularly bad at it. But some of those sentences, like they were clearly not even uttered in the same week, let alone like the same episode. So, yes, please now tell me about IntelliBeam. <laughs> I will say they are better than Australian Survivor. That's what I will say. Um, okay, so, well, Jess, this is from the General Motors website. IntelliBeam is a General Motors lighting technology that automatically turns the vehicle's high beam headlamps on and off according to surrounding traffic conditions. IntelliBeam turns on a vehicle's high beam headlamps when it is dark enough and there is no other traffic present. I don't know why we need this much explanation. And then turns them off when conditions change. Do we need to continue? Okay, I'll continue. So it's, the system works. Yeah, go ahead. You continue. It's, it's transitions <laughs> lenses, but for cars. Yeah, I mean, really it is. The lights turn on and off based on what's going on. It's that simple. Everything else is kind of, oh, as, and then it talks about, you need to make sure your windshield is clear of debris and all this. It's in the windshield. The main thing is, and I think there was more. I actually stopped at the <laughs> intro paragraph. If you want to find out more, I'm sure you can. But the reason, of course, is that everybody at the end got to say IntelliBeam because, like you know, like you know, like when we watch like someone do a singing task. By the end, you're singing the last few bars because that's like what everyone is doing. That's kind of how this was. But man, it really got in my brain thinking about IntelliBeam. Yeah, I, I I think IntelliBeam is now burned on my brain as well. We had a lot of questions about that. It's really <laughs> a, a, a surprising amount of time was given over to talking about IntelliBeam among our listeners. Um, and I, I'm surprised because there were so many other features that we kept going back to. So OnStar, everyone knows OnStar. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah, we don't need to talk <laughs> about OnStar. Um, we don't need to talk about the about the 11 inch screen. Also. What's the deal with inches? Aren't you Canadian? Yeah, infotainment too. Like, how distracted should I be by the infotainment when I'm trying to drive a car? I don't know. Yeah, can I, I Netflix know. and drive? 
<laughs> which still kind of baffles me. I'm like, I have a hard time just driving down the road and turning the radio to a different channel. My God, I sounded like I was 100 years old. <laughs> turning a podcast to a different channel, you know, or whatever. We do have community radio here that is very good. But regardless, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, really, it's like, can this car have that many features? And also, the person had already bought the car in theory. Why are you telling them all these things after they bought the car? Wouldn't it be before they bought the car? Yeah, it's like, are, or is this like a blind date situation? Like, is this the mail order bride of cars? It's like, <laughs> meet your new car. And, you know, her name is Gladys and she has all these features. And I think the two of you will be very happy together. Like, just make sure she gets three square meals a day and give her a clothing allowance. You'll, she'll give, she'll birth you many sons. I think that's about, and I felt a little bad, especially near the end when I should, when Devin and Eddie were both just struggling. And Eddie, oh, for Eddie to get two memorization tasks in a row and, and two episodes, which obviously it's not his strength. I mean, he goes to the grocery store. He can't remember three items. This is his words, not mine. Um, but I felt bad for him because this was just not up his alley. And, I did not mean to say it that way. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I, I, oh. Wow. But basically, um, it, I think it would have been up her alley, though, actually. Um, <laughs> um, I tried to keep a straight face here. But it was just bad because I think, and I I don't know how Amanda would have done. It just, she seems like, it, it's not, you know, who knows. But given how he was, I feel pretty safe she would have done better. Would have been well enough to, to catch Devin and Amanda probably but it's just one of those bad luck things where they said new car smell i mean who knows he might like cars or whatever but he just was not ready for this yeah i think we didn't really get to see ali perform any kind of memorization based tasks so it's really hard to tell she might have been equally bad at it true true but hard to say yeah i mean it's 2020 hindsight i guess um so yeah, we get past the new car smell, or almost everybody gets past the new car smell, and then we go to stuff or fold, and Dan, we got two breakfast tasks. You can choose breakfast or breakfast. You can make sausage, or you can make an egg carton. So what do you make of this task? Well, this sausage one is a common, common. Tried and true. Amazing. I think they did it in Australia. They've done it in the U.S. at least twice. I mean, I think they did this in season six, if I remember. I remember Lori and Volo mm -hmm. doing something with this and having a hard time. And really, I mean, to me, the goal of this is because it's kind of gross. I, and then people can talk about it. And nothing against the sausage. I, I'm sure this, John even said, it was spicy. It was really good. So nothing against the sausage. But this doesn't excite me that much. But I will say... I don't know if making the egg carton is that exciting. <laughs> this is one of those cases where it's like, what do I want to watch people do? I, and then they get to ride the, the horse carriage. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of seems like I don't need to watch either one of these. And we really didn't get a whole lot of this in the episode. But I, the sausage making, I feel like maybe this goes, in, maybe this goes in our Amazing Race rule book where if you are presented with a detour and one of the tasks is to make sausage, that's always the one you should take because it ends up not being as bad as whatever the other one is. Yeah, this seemed to be very similar time, but it did seem to be slightly. Well, I mean, I think the biggest beneficiary are Tyler and Kayleen, who I think leaped past Gracie and Lily, Derp Hall. Um, I think at least two teams they got past, I think, by doing the sausage. 
But there was both those teams had extenuating circumstances with the A's. So I will say, but in general, I mean, Italian Cat, Rocker, no one seemed to have a problem doing the sausage, even though they kind of tried to show that, oh, Eddie and Allie are a problem. That was more symptomatic of them not making it. But it's just, um, they're really beyond the few mistakes that we'll talk about. There wasn't much to the actual things, which is probably why we saw so much of the car beyond just the benefits of selling the car and the sponsor. Yeah, there's definitely a minimum amount of time they had to spend on the car, but they blew right past it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I just think it's hilarious that we are going to the well of breakfast two weeks in a row, especially given that it, both of these were the Achilles heel for Eddie. Um, but also. Again, like ask chat GPT to write a leg of the Amazing Race Canada and they would come up with something very similar to we are visiting the hometown of the man who invented the egg carton and we will now celebrate him by making an egg carton. This sounds made up. This sounds like something we would say to make fun of the Amazing Race Canada. That's what I was saying. I was like, if somebody really wanted to kind of look, go. Oh, I don't, the Navy just watched U.S. and they were like, you know, I've heard good things about Amazing Race Canada. I'm going to start this season, and then you get to this episode, and they're like, what? What is this? I mean, they don't—they haven't seen so many endearing legs or just John. They haven't gotten into all this. Just you're just getting started, and the Amazing Race always has a couple legs like this early on. I feel like, and then we get into the middle, and it's like, yeah, now we're going. But I, I have to point out one of my favorite moments that I've seen in a while. With Durf Hall, <laughs> where I hit them for my team. I still think they're going to do well, but they're sitting on there. They're in good shape. They're probably going to finish second, maybe, or third. I think they ended up there, but they're right there. And they got their eggs. And I believe, you know, they're like, you know, oh, we got cowboy hats in this bag. Let's, <laughs> let's get out our cowboy hats. Which is total vamping, total, we want to be on camera, we're going to wear cowboy hats, we're going to be silly. Teams have done this in the past, they're not the first ones. And in doing so, they break their egg. The egg, that it's not like they're jumping across a ravine, like with a pole vault with eggs, which we've seen in the past. They're just sitting on a slow-moving horse-drawn <laughs> carriage, and they managed to break an egg while trying to get out their cowboy hats. And, oh, Jess, that, that almost made them as a team, just because, and they didn't, I love that so much because it was just so stupid, but wonderfully stupid, I will say. Yeah, you know, Dan, we frequently have the try-hard team on Amazing Race Canada. Like, that is absolutely a trope of this particular side of the franchise, but we have not yet seen a team end up screwing up their own game because they're being such tryhards. So I can't wait for this. And I think we also have to give honorable mention to them trying to make Gracie and Lily laugh and failing terribly because they're just delivering a total non-joke. Like, is this what their YouTube channel is like? I honestly, I don't feel like checking it out myself, but is it just like total non-joke jokes? How do you, I don't know. How do you get a million followers doing that? Several million, over three million across all social media platforms. I've been told. But yeah, Gracie, they have this confessional where Gracie's like, you know, they're really growing on me. I think they're really cute. And then they show that I'm trying to give a joke and her being like, yeah. But I do think that they find them kind of endearing. And I'm not saying they're not endearing. I think we could find out that they're, 
that their trope or their tryhardness. I mean, similar to some of the other teams in the past, where at first, even Team Giver, at first, I was like, oh my gosh, this team. As it went along, I was like, you know, kind of enjoying this. So it can happen. It's just, um, we'll see. But that was some good humor in an episode, in a, in a task. I mean, Gracie and Lily did forget to get on the horse-drawn carriage. That was their little mistake. But this mistake, to me, took took the, I don't have a good pun here, took the egg. I don't know. <laughs> that's better but, That's um, better than what Derek came up with. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not good at thinking on the fly like that. So um, they ended up doing fine. Both those teams did fine. I think they were three and four. They were in no danger because the back teams were doing pretty poorly. The mistake didn't matter. I just thought it was kind of entertaining. Yeah, it, it was fine. Um, I think I, I do think that they are strong enough racers that it's not going to end up being their undoing, but it'd be so delicious if it was. Um, not that I want them to go out. You know, I don't want anybody to go out. I want everybody to stay in the race forever, but then it's not a race. People do have to go out. Uh, I do think they're good racers. I think also we've seen a lot of these teams that are trying to be funny. I think they settle down, they stop trying to be funny, and then they become funnier. I think that's definitely what happened with Team Giver. Like once they stopped trying so hard, they became a little bit more tolerable and certainly more fun to watch and probably better racers because. Yeah. And you saw them with them. You saw them getting along well with other racers and other racers seem to like them. And that, that almost to me holds more, not that people don't like their Paul, but that almost holds more credence because you see them interacting and you're like, okay, when they're not in front of the camera for that five minutes, they're cool people. And you've seen teams on us or whatever that the teams don't like. And then you're like, okay, they're not cool when they're not on camera. So we'll see what happens here. I'm not making any assumptions, but that was the case with Giver. And um, so I don't know. I was, I you know both episodes, I felt so bad for Eddie and Allie. I was like, please let this be not elimination. And not because I drafted them kind of, you know, almost didn't. And then draft, and the whole time I'm like, man, should have picked Duran and Justin. I knew it from the start, right? When the lake started, I was like, that was a mistake. But I did kind of hope they could continue because I hate the way that they didn't get a chance to like shine and jump off the mountain or anything. Yeah, that's like, what is their highlight reel going to be? Because these challenges were so janky that nobody really gets a highlight reel. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, the repelling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who did the repelling. I mean, maybe. I, I, yeah. As far as repelling tasks go, that one was a little bit. You know, yeah, I don't even think we, like, we barely saw them do it. Um, so I know we save like our high octane challenges for the middle of the race when we have like, we don't have to spend money on every single racer doing it, but we also have enough people left that it's going to be interesting. I get it. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough line to tread. Yes. So I should mention, yes, that Tyler, Tyler and Kat won again. They get a trip to Lisbon. Thanks Expedia. And then the teams kind of settled in as you'd expect. I mean, Ben and Anwar did a little better. Shayla and Joel stayed in seventh, but the top seven were all kind of sailed along. So I don't even want to make too much into like four, five, six, seven, or whatever. It really came down to the last two teams, and I don't think it was very close. I think the editing made it too much closer. Yeah, I mean, there were points where you could see Devin and Amanda noticing Allie and Eddie, like maybe if not exactly in the same frame, like close enough that they could see each other. But I don't think in the end they really had that much to worry about. And poor Eddie. Breakfast is ruined for Eddie forever. Annihilated. Annihilated. Gone. 
<laughs> no serial task though. That would be next week, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so he didn't get to see that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Like next week, they're gonna eat shreddies. It's the only Canadian cereal <laughs> I can think of. And then there'll be a memory task at the end of all the breakfasts the entire season. And they have to figure it out, right? That that's totally gonna happen. It's definitely it's the Flynn White Memorial Challenge. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I I also we we got a bonus breakfast content. Um, up at the top of the episode, we had Derek saying, we're going to butter up Ty and Kat like a fresh piece of toast at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. So breakfast is on everybody's brain right now. <laughs> wow. I think um, that, yeah, they didn't really do that from what we saw, but it was it was a worthy effort there. And then bring in the breakfast metaphor. Always good. I'm trying to think of what other breakfast food. I don't know Canadian breakfast food, like what they eat. I'm just thinking of really boring stuff like, oh, pop tarts or something. Do they eat poutine with an egg cracked on it? I bet you they do. I mean, I think that has to be a thing. I, I would eat it. That sounds amazing. Uh, the one thing I know they don't have in Canada um, is cookie crisp cereal, because that was something we were visiting family members who live in Toronto and we were looking for things we could bring their kids. So I Googled like what treats can't Canadians get? And that was the top thing. So we brought them cookie crisp cereal and everybody was horrified. So I was like, I know we did our job um, as the crass Americans. So anyway, Dan, do you want to answer a couple of questions before we get out of here? Sure, we can do that. I, I know you mentioned a Reddit thread. I didn't know if you had anything more to yeah, add on. I that would like to get into that, that for sure. Uh, but let's do some questions first and then we'll, yeah, we'll do that okay. at the end. Okay. <laughs> I did want to mention just because we've talked about it. There was, I mean, this is not a very nice question about these shows, but the Grim Recapper on Twitter asked us to settle a bet. Amazing Race Canada at its boring, cheap worst. How dare you? <laughs> or Amazing Race Australia at its bloated train wreck worst. So I'll make it simpler. If you had to choose and you think about Amazing Race Australia, where they have 20 teams that just met and they're all doing everything and they're everywhere and it's crazy and everything, do you prefer that? Or like, um, I don't want to say boring too worst, but an episode kind of like this one. What do you focus on more? I mean, Amazing Race Australia was bonkers in so many ways, both planned and unplanned, that I would have to give it to Amazing Race Australia. Like we had, in recent seasons, we've had like, one of the team members gets bumped from a flight, so the other team member <laughs> runs the race solo. Uh, we have had like, you know, there's, there's nine teams left in the competition, but there's only four on the course because five of the teams have COVID. We have the host getting COVID and bringing in some rando to replace him while he's in quarantine. Um, there's just so much total bonkers to it. Um, even the prior season of Amazing Race Australia, where they were, they were like, you could win the leg and then you wouldn't have to run the next leg and they'd bring in entirely new ass teams to run the leg. <laughs> you know, I would say last season, if there was ever a season to recap and, th and it would be so ridiculous, it was last season of Amazing Race Australia. Yeah, the two seasons ago, we thought it was, I thought it was crazy when they had the, um, oh, what do they call the teams that would, with the stowaways, stowaways yes. that would appear. And, and but then last season, it got to a point where I'm like, please don't let the team that missed five episodes due to COVID win. I wanted one of the, there were only like three or four teams that made it, like they got near the end and I was like, please. And it did happen that way that a team that had not ever been out won. But wow, that was, that was nuts. So yeah, 
I think I'd prefer that, but you can't really manufacture that. I mean, this scene, they're doing a celebrity in quotes edition. Um, so, I mean, they do have King George from Survivor, so that's cool. But just in general, um, I don't know. I think I prefer that, but I also don't want, you can't really, I mean, they kind of shot for it with their, here's 10 teams and 10 teams and we're going together. But um, I just want to raise Race Canada to be itself. Though I would like to see just a little, little more ingenuity. Just a little more, you know, a little less product placement, a little more ingenuity is what I would say. Right? Yeah, I feel like I want the two of these shows to have a baby. And then I will watch that baby. Like Amazing Race Commonwealth. Give me Amazing Race Commonwealth and give me the best of both things. Like bring me John Montgomery as the host doing all the crazy tasks. Bring me some totally bonkers twists, some anticipated, some not. And then bring me some quality, some quality activities for everybody to do. Can Bo show up at the match just to hug all the teams, even though they're worried about COVID and just keep hugging all the teams all the time? Is that okay? Or should we keep him further away? Actually bring both hosts on and then have John like in the uncomfortable position of having to scold Bo. <laughs> but then John's not as good on the mat though. No. Bo's a little better because he's just like so excited they made it. Yeah, I honestly like have the two of them like Statler and Waldorfing every activity like just sitting off the sidelines giving color commentary and heckling and then we put Bo on the mat and john can set up the tasks i think that's good um okay so there's a very long question here or comment totally a comment but i do want to bring it up because i've been a little hard on the show a little bit justin feinberg um just wanted to say how much he's enjoying the cast in this season so far he said, even though it had gratuitous, and I'm going to shorten it a little bit, it had gratuitous amounts of product placement. They find them ways to make the task challenging. And he said he didn't, he really loves this cast, said it's incredible. Didn't feel as much last season. I think part of it was due to COVID. Remember last season, they also had issues where teams left and came back. Um, but then um, he also mentioned Gracie and Lily have the names and correct spellings of his relatives' pets. <laughs> so that's an interesting reason to root for them. But um, I just like hearing that, that it's interesting to think about that, yes, we can kind of look at it and be a little critical. And I'm not being critical of the cast at all. I think they did a good job. It's just um, just kind of a counterpoint that somebody's kind of enjoying some of what makes The Amazing Race Canada what it is. Yeah. And I think I'm definitely not not enjoying it. I think it's so refreshing that every step of the way they have to do something. And we may quibble that some of the things they do are a little bit low budget but you know it's competitive it's fun i never know what's going to happen next so i i can get on board with that um i want to go to owen craig because this is hilarious is eddie getting called pancakes by one of the other contestants the most brutal nickname you've ever heard on the amazing race oh i and i didn't even catch that on the show until he brought it up was that during the who's your partner thing where they were talking about who's the weakest team or where did he even do that? But regardless, I think, um, I don't know. I think Eddie would probably agree. And you know how much he hates pancakes. He'd probably be like, yep, they're the worst. Yep. I hate them. I, I just, I don't want to do it. So maybe it totally fits. I don't know. I mean, I love people getting defined by what they hate the most. <laughs> uh, like, you you know that um you know that that team in amazing race 3 is still being called hay bales oh and um the oh. father and son from montana the kids still being called candelabra 
Oh man, that that's a deep cut. Oh yes, um, the, the son of the spike hair. Yeah. The ones who had to do the speed bump where they just sat in the sauna. Best speed bump you know, that ever. Was, <laughs> I, that was up there with sitting on the ice. Yeah, our Beekman boys ordering ice cream. <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah. So I don't know. I think it's it's mean, but I wouldn't say it's cruel because it's not related to him as a person. It's related to just a weird, silly task he had to do on a game show. Yeah. I, I think so. And, I, you know, it, it's a claim to fame. I feel like it's one of those things like, you know, how losing on Jeopardy has become part of my mythos. How many people want to be on Amazing Race Canada and didn't even get that chance? So it's like, I, I think you got to own it. You got to embrace it at that point. Yeah. And he got the name, the episode title, which I don't know how this week's episode title was not. I wanted to jump off a mountain or something like that. I mean, not like it was that that wasn't the name. I don't think, well, which I feel like it should have been. It should have been, but it also it would be misleading because nobody actually jumped off a mountain. Right, right. They didn't. They'll make you think they do bungee jumping or whatever. But um, my first experience, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what that refers to. But regardless, I think that's all the questions we had, unless there were others you wanted to. No, I don't think so. But I did want to call out. I was looking in the discussion thread over on Reddit and we had a commenter get in the comments for this, for this episode. And this was someone who lived in Smithers at the time that they were setting up, like they were scouting for tasks and this person worked in the museum and had answered some questions for like some generic unspecified reality show, then got a different job and moved on and had their boss text them and say, Hey, guess what? Amazing race. Canada is here today. Don't unclear whether this person's boss was the person that asked if the person was looking (laughs) for the bathroom, but they had a lot of ideas about how this leg could have been better. And I thought they were interesting thoughts that make Smithers seem like a more interesting place to me. So this person says, as someone who's lived in Smithers for three years and worked in the museum, I wish they made the challenges more interesting or unique. Egg carton challenge was a cool idea, especially the horse run wagon, but I wish they'd focus more on the history of it. They could have driven up to the bluff where the former town of Aldermere was located, where the egg carton was actually invented two years before Smithers even became a town. Um, they could drive out there in the cars, broom, product placement solved. They could have the local and newspaper involved somehow, as is actually founded by the same guy who invented the egg carton. There's a huge Alpine theme to the town because a lot of Swiss people immigrated in the 1930s and 50s. We have lots of murals on the buildings, quite a few statues, including one of a man playing an Alphorn, flags up and down Main Street reflecting different nationalities. People could have incorporated those into some sort of scavenger hunt. We have an old railway station from 1918. They could have learned old railway signals with a lantern and demonstrated them. They could have learned how to speak some local words in the local language and memorize the names and symbols of the five clans here. Lots of natural wilderness for outdoor challenges. I'm not saying Smithers is like a totally unique or incredible place, but it has more than just car dealerships, FFS. We know what FFS means. Of course, I think all this in hindsight and not what they actually phoned us up asking us for, quote unquote, interesting things to do around Smithers. So, yeah, this is food for thought. These are a lot of more interesting things, I think, than what we got. Um, So, you know, maybe that's on you, poster on Reddit. Um, Maybe you should have voiced these things when they called you. But yeah, these are all these all seem slightly more interesting than the episode we ended up getting. Yeah, and I do think the show, I don't know, I'd have to go back and watch the early seasons, but I always thought the show did a really good job of 
when they would go to a new place in Canada, they would really explain more things about the history. They talk about, there's this guy, blah, 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 or whatever, you know, this person or the, the culture. And they still do that to a point. I don't mean they've gotten away from it. But I do feel like maybe with so much time spent on the Samsung and on the car or whatever, they have kind of beefed up the product placement, which might keep them on the air or whatever. But they have kind of pulled back a little bit, especially, you know, from places of going as far into it. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing just, you know, a one minute segment where then I'm not like watching and not even realizing as much of a connection to the A cart or something. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, and, and some of the things like, you know, the, the other language or the train thing, those are totally normal, amazing race Canada tasks. They always make them do silly things. The train thing, they can even make them wear a silly outfit. Everybody loves the silly outfits. You know, John could wear his engineer hat. It would be great. So there's still fun things they could do with that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like when you have two tasks related to product placement and then one with them pulling fish out of the water, you don't have a lot of room for much else because you only really got one other thing besides I mean, they did connect the local radio station, but was, you know, with another thing, I guess they were more limited. And if they had maybe decided to do the Chevy, they could have done that car task at almost any leg, maybe spread that out. But I know there are business elements to shows being on the air. So that can be a little tricky, but I, 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 I like a lot of the ideas. Yeah, I think they're great ideas. And I, I appreciate, you know, the only times I feel like Amazing Race Canada really falls down on the job is when they, Give them something to do that they could do literally anywhere. And in this case, they at least tried to tie it back to the local to the local area in three out of five tasks. And that's, I guess, better than some of the tasks we had last year. Like you don't need to go to Subway, for instance. So I'm 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 good with it. I think these are great ideas and I really appreciated getting a little bit of the local perspective. Like that's something we always try to get, especially given that we're not Canadian. But um, yeah, so that was the one thing I wanted to highlight. Dan, are there any other bits and pieces we want to scoop up before we start to wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how these teams, as the race gets harder, I think if I remember, they might be doing some heights tasks next week, which could challenge some teams, maybe even a bungee jump. So I think the show is going to start to crank up a little bit where things like the express passes and the assists and all that will take charge. Because right now, you've had a situation where a few teams, like last week um, and this week both, did really poorly. So there hasn't been a lot of race drama or intensity that way. So I'm curious if that's going to ramp up soon, because so far it's been like this team's really poor, did really poorly at multiple things last week, multiple things this week. So I would think as we lose some of those teams, sorry, Devin and Amanda, um, you're eventually going to get where the top five or six are really going to fight it out. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Dan. Like those middle legs are always the most compelling. Like the first leg and the last leg are always the worst legs of any amazing race. So I'm excited to start to get into the bell curve here. All right. So what else is going on with you in your world right now? Well, in theory, I will be releasing episodes soon of my podcast on theme parks, the Tomorrow Society podcast, which I will. Just a little bit of a delay, but I'll have more things out. But I, there are over 200 episodes about theme parks, interviews, trip reports, lots of great stuff. You can go to tomorrowsociety.com or find them on any podcast platform that you like. 
That sounds great, Dan. And over on my end, I'm very, very busy with podcasts these days, probably excessively so. Uh, here on Rob's website, you can find me every week recapping Tough as Nails with Mike Bloom and Rob Sesternino. And there's a rumor that we might get our esteemed favorite fourth panelist coming back to the show at some point in the nearest future. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then, you know, hashtag IYKYK. Um, and then, of course, over on Post Show Recaps, you can hear me every week talking about all things Walking Dead with our Walking Dead panel with Chappelle and Josh Wiggler and AJ Mass and some combination of the four of us every week talking about Walking Dead, Dead City. And then Mike Bloom and I get together again because just can't get enough of that guy. We talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which in my opinion is one of the best Star Trek series of all time. And we're having a lot of fun talking about all that stuff. Everything I'm watching right now is good, which is a departure. And I appreciate it. So you can find us on social media. You can tweet at Dan at the Dan Heaton. You can tweet at me at Haymaker Hattie until Twitter dies a horrible, gruesome death. That's where you can find us for now. I'm sure we're on the other socials as well. And we're just waiting for the thing that replaces Twitter. And we'll go to that as well. And of course, you can always subscribe to us in the iTunes store, rate, review, leave us some comments on the Facebook page for the Robbins Podcast patron group. There's lots of ways to get in touch with us, no matter how you social media. We're on it. So thank you, Dan, for joining me once again. I very much appreciate you being here. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. And it's always fun to watch Amazing Race Canada and see these cool places where they can sell cars to us. Yep. And I'm I'm getting I'm getting stoked. I'm gonna be coming to Canada next month and very, very excited to experience some of the things we're seeing on the screen, like might even get to see one of those, one of those sweet Chevy ZR2s. Very excited for that. Um, thank you as always to all of our listeners and especially anybody that sends in comments and questions. We really appreciate the way that you have been driving the discussion so far this year. Thank you very much to Scott St. Pierre and the entire team behind the scenes. Thank you of course to podcast dad, Rob Sesternino for letting us continue to do this. And we'll see you all next week.